Hello! Welcome to another episode of Hardy Wrestling with me, Stephanie Hardy. Thank you so much for listening from wherever you are in the world. Um, thank you for, you know, your continued support if you've been listening since the beginning. Or even if you've just started listening now, thank you so much for listening to me right now. I'll talk about something that I'm really passionate about, which is professional wrestling. So we're going to talk about news and gossip-ish. Um, how we're going to talk a lot about how the crisis is basically affecting wrestling or how it isn't affecting wrestling to a certain degree we're also going to talk about um wrestling fan story time where i tell the story of how i outed myself as a wrestling fan in a class one time a few years ago and then we're going to talk about what's going on this week in wrestling with all the shows with raw smackdown nxt and a little bit of aew so sit back relax and thank you for listening to hardy wrestling with stephanie hardy Okay, so with news and gossip-ish, we're going to start with um, a congratulations to Jushin Thunder Liger, who's going to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame this year. He was the inventor of the Shooting Star Press, and he started his career in Japan in the late 1980s. He's an 11-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, and he did all of this after he was diagnosed with a brain tumor that almost took his life. He sporadically appeared in, the, in WCW in the 90s and fought with other cruiserweight goats such as Rey Mysterio, Dean Malenko, and Brian Pillman. May he rest in peace. And he went 40 years without competing in a WWE ring until his debut in NXT TakeOver Brooklyn in 2015 against Tyler Breeze. But he retired um, this year in January, but this year he's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, and we send up a congratulations to him for that. And speaking of the Hall of Fame, we're going to segue into another story um, about how the Hall of Fame and NXT TakeOver Tampa has been postponed. Um, of course, with the crisis going on, um, a lot of things have been pushed back, a lot of things have been rescheduled, and a lot of things have been um, put in different places. And normally during um, WrestleMania weekend, you'd have different events before the event itself. And normally, like say on that Thursday, you would have the Hall of Fame ceremony, which would be on. And then you would have the NXT TakeOver event, which might be that Friday or that Saturday. And then that Sunday, you would have WrestleMania happen and then along with the weekly shows. But this year, due to the crisis and everything that's been going on, they've um, postponed the TakeOver and then and also postponed the Hall of Fame. Um, There are rumors circulating that the Hall of Fame could be moved to SummerSlam weekend, which is in August. And that's basically the second biggest um, WWE event of the year where they have um, week-long events and stuff like that with that. Um, And it's also rumored that NXT TakeOver Tampa might be moved to the Performance Center in Orlando like other events have been um, over the past couple of weeks. So it would be a shame if we didn't have that takeover happen because they had a lot of cool stuff going on um, with Adam Cole possibly going up against um, Velveteen Dream. And then you also had the idea of Keith Lee and his different stuff going on with Dominic Dajakovic and um, Damian Priest. And then you also had the ladder match that was going to determine the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship. So they had a lot going on with that. So here's hoping they decide to... Um, 
put it in a place that will still keep people safe while also at the same time keep the show rolling and also um here's hoping that they reschedule the hall of fame to a different time because here again you have a lot you have a really good class this year of people who are going into the wwe hall of fame um to remind you it's the bella twins jbl the og members of the nwo batista um jushin thunder liger and the british bulldog davy boy smith um and i'll report on it more as it develops and how it grows or whatever and then also on the docket we have the we have espn and their plan to show classic wrestlemania clips so since this crisis has been going on espn has basically been showing lots of classic stuff from different sports and everything that's happened in the past so basically in an exclusive from variety magazine or or variety.com ESPN is going to air classic WrestleMania events and stream them on its mobile app and it's going to begin this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Central Standard Time when ESPN airs WrestleMania 30 from to, from April of 2014. That was the big WrestleMania. That was the first WrestleMania that they had in New Orleans um, and it had the match where Daniel Bryan won his championship after everybody was, you know, on team yes and Triple H and Triple H and the authority didn't want him to move forward with that but yet he still pushed through all those obstacles to become the world heavyweight champion that was also where AJ Lee won the Divas Championship Invitational um which I believe is the only time the Divas Championship was ever defended out of WrestleMania and then um it was a lot that happened and then I believe Hulk Hogan and The Rock made made um and Stone Cold Steve Austin made an appearance there and it was also where John Cena and Bray Wyatt had their match so a lot happened during that time and that's also where The Undertaker famously lost his streak to Brock Lesnar so um if you want to check that out you can check that out this Sunday on ESPN or you can check it out when you want to on the WWE Network you know whatever floats your boat so that'll be cool to see on ESPN because I really like them, you know, showing wrestling stuff and actually acknowledging it as a sport because a lot of people don't. So I'm glad ESPN's doing that in this more recent years. And then also on the docket, we have um, the news that WrestleMania is going to be split into two nights and hosted by Rob Gronkowski. Um, I remember in my last episode, I mentioned that the that WrestleMania's future was up in the air due to the crisis <clears throat> and how... Um, the Tampa City Commissioner was thinking about canceling it outright because it was supposed to be at the Raymond James Stadium and it hadn't yet been canceled at all. Um, So what's going to happen now is that it won't be canceled, but it will be moved to multiple locations over the course of two days, which will be Saturday, April the 4th and Sunday, April the 5th. and some of it might take place at the w, at the um, performance center, and a lot of it might take place in different areas that are you know we don't know yet. So I'm pretty sure those might be announced soon. And but this has been done before. WrestleMania has been held in different locations before, and this was at WrestleMania two in 1986, and it was held in three separate venues. And it was held at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Uniondale, New York, the Rosemont Horizon in Rosemount, um, in Rosemont, Illinois, and the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Center in Los Angeles, California. And like I said before, Rob Gronkowski, who was announced to have been signing with the WWE, is hosting the the now the the Super Bowl of wrestling. He's a three-time Super Bowl champion, so this is basically a huge deal for him. He stated on SmackDown um, last night that he was very excited to be doing this, and 
we're going to talk more about him and his um, encounter with SmackDown later on in the show. And then last but certainly not least, we have the idea that WWE is going to be selling WrestleMania I Wasn't There t-shirts on WWEshop.com. So you know how normally you would go on the, um, or at least for fans who buy merchandise, they'll have different um, t-shirts saying, oh, well, I was there for this event, like SummerSlam, or I was there for WrestleMania. Well, this time, because of the crisis, they're actually jokingly selling t-shirts that say I wasn't there considering they're going to be filming Wrestlemania and doing Wrestlemania with no fans so they're selling the t-shirts if you're interested in buying buying them they're selling the t-shirts for $27.99 without shipping and handling and they go up from size small to size 5x to a 5xl and yeah if you want to buy that t-shirt it's available so um yeah if you've never been to a WrestleMania, you can wear that t-shirt and say, I wasn't there to sort of represent the fact, you know, that you didn't go to this one and you've probably never been to one. So yeah, that's all that's going on with news and gossipish. And now we're going to move on to wrestling fan story time. Okay, so now we're in the segment of wrestling fan story time, and I'm going to tell the story that I call Professor, I'm a wrestling fan. So, like I mentioned before with ESPN showing WrestleMania 30, I was inspired to share the story of how that WrestleMania in particular has to do with a funny moment that I had in college. Um, When I went to Berea College, I took a class called Argumentation and Debate. And with probably one of the best teachers that's up there named Dr. Verlaine McDonald. Shout out to her. And she was, and we were sitting in class one day, and she was talking about how she was going to this conference with her family in New Orleans. And so she was talking about how she was sitting in an airplane. And she saw this really tall guy who looked like, you know, like he should have been like a statue or something. And she and then she saw like a couple of other, you know, really big, really big guys. And there was this one guy she said she saw with like a giant beard or whatever. And she basically found out that somehow she I forgot how she said she found out that there was a wrestling event happening um, in town or whatever. But she basically said that. Um, that she found out there was a wrestling event and then she said that she found out that the really tall guy was the undertaker and so she shared this picture well she showed us this picture on the um powerpoint presentation that she made and it was the flyer that they had made for wrestlemania 30 and it just so happened to have hulk hogan on there the undertaker brock lesnar daniel bryan on there and everything so she says this and I don't put together that that's who she's talking about until she puts the picture up there. And I'm just like, oh, wait a minute, you saw The Undertaker? Oh my God. And I start yelling out in class talking about how I know all those people on that flyer and everything and everyone in class was laughing at me and I but I didn't care because I had just completely blacked out at that moment and I was just like Dr. McDonald you saw the Undertaker you saw all these people oh my god that's so cool and blah 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 and it was one of the coolest moments of my life because it's just I love expressing my love for wrestling 
Um, sometimes because a lot of the times there are people who feel like wrestling is something that you should just, you know, keep to yourself or, you know, it's something that you feel like only children should watch because I've been told that before. Like, oh, I thought only two year olds, you know, watch that or they feel like someone like you or at least someone like me um, wouldn't be into wrestling because I've been told before that I've that I look too feminine, you know, to like wrestling or that there's a stereotype of people who like wrestling who are and this isn't me trying to be offensive in any way but someone once told me that they felt like only redneck white people watched wrestling and I was just like huh (laughs) because I was just like huh like are you serious and it's just that there are a lot of the wrestling fandom is very diverse in backgrounds and very diverse and you know people who like to watch it and of course very diverse in genders as well so it's just I just freaked out in knowing that my that my college professor at that point in time you know really didn't necessarily know who she saw but then once she realized who she saw she thought it was a really cool thing and then she thought it was even more cool because I freaked out in class about it and I'm not necessarily a person that likes to keep stuff to myself like when I'm excited about something like I have to get it out and I have to talk it out or otherwise it'll just sit inside me and then it'll stew and then I'll feel bad for not having said anything about it so that was the time I outed myself as a wrestling fan in my college classroom and I don't regret it at all because it's hey wrestling is something that you love and when you love something you have to shout it out loud or else you know what's the point and that's the end of my wrestling fan story time all right we're gonna go into this week in wrestling we're gonna discuss everything that happened on raw smackdown nxt and a little bit of aew so raw and smackdown both emanated from the performance center but nxt did a different type of show and that actually came from the global headquarters in stanford connecticut and that was more of sort of like a talking show to sort of prepare you for stuff so that was a very different vibe going on and aew performed without an actual audience but they actually performed with wrestlers as their audience and that was really interesting so we're gonna start with raw the raw in terms of the women it wasn't a whole lot it just showed um becky lynch showing up to the performance center in a in a becky lynch themed 18 wheeler type truck and it was really cute because it was orange with flames and everything and it was really amazing and then there was she had a promo discussing about basically discussing that she knew that Shayna Baszler was listening to her and she said that her existence drove Shayna Baszler crazy and she was basically speaking to Shayna Baszler's um tenure in NXT and how it taught her and trained her that that she could be she could bully her way to the top and she said as long and Becky said as long as she is the champion your whole world doesn't make sense you can cut through the rest of the division do and do something you'll never do think I'm going to prove that your life is a lie and it's going to hit you like a truck and Shayna Baszler was watching backstage let me just say that I appreciate the fact that Becky Lynch was true to her you know in real life character where she said um it's going to hit you like a truck because she drove in with the truck and I thought that was really cute and funny and then they did a recap of Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley's confrontations from the past few weeks on Raw and NXT and 
then they did a recap of the elimination chamber match with the women they didn't show the whole thing but they basically just showed everything that happened and showed Shannon Baszler's dominance that was really all they had for the women on Raw and now we're gonna go to the men Byron Saxton, Tom Phillips, and Jerry the King Lawler, bleh, Jerry the King Lawler was talking about what was going on in the world in the middle of the ring. And they were basically, you know, letting us know that the show will still go on, you know, regardless of the fact there's no fans. And they did a recap of AJ Styles' promo at The Undertaker from last week and announced that there will be a contract signing between them both um, on, this, on this night. And the show started with Edge... Um, interrupting them and he got in the ring and said it's been a strange few says that it's been a strange few months for him and his wife Beth Phoenix then they showed footage from the past few weeks with Randy Orton basically wreaking havoc on everyone and Edge spoke about how he knew Randy Orton's career was going to intertwine with his somehow when he first started and he spoke to their past together and mentioned Mick Foley inspiring the both of them to sort of keep going in the wrestling business and he also mentioned that Randy Orton did not take the lesson of grit that Mick Foley had given them. And he called Orton an entitled brat and had his success handed to him because of his legendary father, who was Cowboy Bob Orton. And his grandfather was a wrestler as well. So Randy Orton is a third generation wrestler. But Edge talked about how he worked, how he worked for his dreams so hard and how his single mother um, worked her fingers to the bone to make his dreams come true because he didn't come from a wrestling family like he didn't have everything handed to him like his mom was a single mom and she did everything on her own and basically he mentioned that when Beth Phoenix came on Raw a few weeks ago she was there to actually retire for him but Randy didn't let her finish and then they got into their little altercation where he called her to be word and she slapped him and well no she didn't slap him she kicked him um, in his crotch area and then he RKO'd her and she, and basically it ended with Edge challenging Randy Orton to a last man standing match at Wrestlemania so we're gonna get that and that's gonna be pretty cool and then they did a full replay of the men's Royal Rumble match in January and seeing as I've already covered that I covered that in the very first episode of this podcast I won't go over it again but I will talk about the parts that I forgot that I liked in the Royal Rumble I forgot that I had liked the Keith Lee standoff between him and Brock Lesnar. I forgot that I loved the fact that Brock Lesnar and Shelton Benjamin, who were longtime friends, hugged each other before, of course, Brock eliminated him. And I forgot that I, and then I forgot about the part where Brock Lesnar was actually dancing to MVP's theme song. And then it was great to see the shock and awe of Brock's elimination by Ricochet and Drew McIntyre. And then it was also cool to see the pop for Edge when he came back and the look on his face, which proved he was almost as shocked as we were. And I forgot that I really liked Corey Graves' commentary during this match. And then I also noticed this little nugget, which was the fact that Edge eliminated Randy from the Royal Rumble match. And I'm wondering if that will also play a part in it as well. So... Hmm. Then it went to Michael Cole talking about the fight between Roman and Edge in the um, Royal Rumble. And he said, and one of the things I thought was really funny that he said was, which one of these men are going to teeter? And I wanted him to say, which one of these men is going to totter? Um, when they were on the edge of the ring during the Royal Rumble match and I was laughing 
And then, then there was the idea that Drew McIntyre was crying after he won the Royal Rumble match, and it was just, it, and it was just so wonderful to see that he had worked so hard to deserve something so great. The only difference is, I almost wish that he could, you know, have his moment and win in front of an audience. But you know, who would have thought that in January we'd be here? There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, but. Um, uh, moving on with Raw, back to the original Raw show, Byron Tom and Jerry the King Lawler announced that WrestleMania will still be taking place at the Performance Center, but of course, you know, it wasn't announced that, there, it, was, that it was going to be taking place over the course of two nights, like I mentioned before. And though, and they also mentioned that though it will be different without the fans, it will still go on. And they showed the confrontation between Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre from two weeks ago. Then they went to the contract signing moderated by King and the Undertaker came out first dressed as if he was ready to fight and he dumped the table in the chair and the chair and made Jerry the King Lawler leave the ring and it was stated after the commercial break that by Tom and Jerry the King Lawler that there was no contract present for signing so AJ Styles' music hit once and then he didn't come out and then it hit a second time but he showed up on the screen with the OC and Styles was calling The Undertaker a legend, but he was calling him a legend that carried the company on his back, but The Undertaker, but he also said The Undertaker kept interjecting himself in a world that's passed him in 2020. He kept saying, he kept using the example of Michael Jordan trying to insinuate himself in the, in the NBA Finals. And he's not doing that. So he basically mentioned a lot of retired super or a lot of superstars in um, different sports who have retired and gone on and who aren't trying to interject themselves into a sport that's passed them by. And he kept mentioning Michelle McCool and then he called The Undertaker by his government name, Mark, and called him a shell of his former self. And he said The Undertaker put his nose in OC business at Super Showdown and and with AJ Styles' match at with Aleister Black at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. And he told Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows to take the contract to The Undertaker, but they refused. But then they go anyway because AJ Styles, you know, made them. And then it played their old theme music as they came out. We came to conquer and divide. And it was just kind of weird because they haven't come out to that in like forever, but whatever. Um and the undertaker just kept staring staring them down and then the undertaker bell just went dong and then it went dark and then the undertaker appeared behind him when the lights came back up and he beat them up like really bad and then he signed the contract and stuffed it into carl anderson's mouth as aj style watched and they kept death staring each other through the screen and then after they came back from commercial, they showed a Stone Cold Steve Austin moment because it was 316 day as well. And they showed the moment from September 28, 1998, where Austin attacked the ring with a Zamboni and then he attacked Vince McMahon and he got arrested. And I thought that was pretty funny considering Becky Lynch is like a star and then she wound up getting arrested around this time last year for WrestleMania. So everything's full circle, guys. Anyway, <laughs> um, then they had a match with Rey Mysterio versus Andrade with Zelina Vega for the umpteenth time. 
And surprisingly, Asuka was on guest commentary for the match and actually sat next to Jerry the King Lawler, which I found very shocking. Um, Asuka was rooting for Andrade the whole time. And and King and everybody at the commentary table was agreeing with everything that Asuka was saying in Japanese and English. And the match was pretty standard stuff with Lucha, with the Lucha Fire, of course. And Zelina was looking like she belonged in an Usher music video because of her outfit. She just looks amazing all the time. I have a girl crush on her. Anyway, um, then Andrade tried to do the Three Amigos, but then Ray hit the 619 and a frog splash to win the match, much to Asuka's chagrin. And I guess they're trying to insinuate that maybe Ray wants a rematch for the U.S. title that Andrade still has. But I almost don't want that to happen because we've seen him fight like a thousand times before. And it's not that it's not entertaining. It's just the fact that we've seen it before. So I want Andrade to have a new opponent for the title, but we'll see. Then they showed another Stone Cold Steve Austin moment from October the 5th, 1998, where he was in the hospital and pretended to be a doctor and kept torturing Vince McMahon and hit him upside the head with a bedpan and shoved something up his butt, which was really hilarious, but, you know, there was that. And then Charlie Caruso had an interview with Kevin Owens, and Kevin Owens basically said, Seth, I know you're watching, and he accepted the challenge to fight Seth Rollins at the um, Performance Center um, at WrestleMania where Kevin Owens had had his WWE tryout and he said Seth told him in his tryout that he would never make it but he said that he would defeat Seth in the place that built him then they showed another Stone Cold Steve Austin moment in 1998 where Stone Cold bested Shawn Michaels for the world title and where JR um Jim Ross famously announced the Austin era has begun then Stone Cold Steve Austin came out to the ring with a beer and he declared that the 16th day of March is a day to open up a can of whoop a word on someone and that um, you don't have to obey the speed limit and it's a day where you don't care and drink 24 hours a day and Byron Saxon kept rating him with these cards like 1 through 10 and it was really funny because Byron was really, you know, bouncing off of Stone Cold Steve Austin a bit. And I feel like nobody really gives Byron Saxon as much credit for being as entertaining as he is. And then maybe I'll tell the story of how he actually interacted with me and my sister at a, after a SmackDown one time and just how funny he is in real life. But he was really funny in this segment. And Byron and Stone Cold Steve Austin says his Byron had been so helpful he got to celebrate with him so he um, appreciated his levels of death in his commentary and they started drinking beer together but then of course Stone Cold Steve Austin did a Stone Cold Stunner on him and then Becky came out with the cooler and they started toasting and drinking together and then Byron Saxon got up and then got some more beer and then got another Stunner and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so and that was the end of the show <laughs> so and then I also saw later on on Instagram where the Street Profits had actually come out there to drink beer with them for some strange reason and then Montez Ford got stunned and he sold the stunner in the most funniest of ways maybe it's still on their Instagram or something but I would encourage you to check it out and that's all that happened on Raw and now we're gonna go to NXT and AEW Right, so this week in NXT slash AEW, 
it seemed like NXT was just doing a pretty chill um, show charting different rivalries that they have going on. Um, it was the show was bas- basically being hosted from the global headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut, with Tom Phillips and Triple H, the father of NXT. And they started charting the rivalry of Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, a.k.a. Johnny Wrestling. Um, they talked about their journey from the very beginning, actually. Um, even though they had wrestled in the Indies together, they tried out for WWE in 2015. And they had instant chemistry as they fought each other in a tryout. And they both got told no, that they no at the same time by WWE. And they went through that together, and that's basically what started their bond and their friendship. And it showed them wrestling in the Cruiserweight Classic against each other. At this time, they were actually a tag team called DIY and NXT. But they were um, set to fight in the Cruiserweight Classic. And that was their first matchup against each other in WWE. Then they had this amazing run as a tag team for a while. And in their first time fighting for the NXT Tag Team Championships against the Revival, they Johnny Gargano had tapped out, but then they redeemed themselves at TakeOver Toronto by winning those same championships. It's so funny to actually look back and see how the Revival was treated back then because in NXT, they were treated as if you know they were one of the best tag teams that they have. And it's still true to say that they are one of the greatest tag teams I've ever seen. Um, but it's so funny when they got up to the main roster, they didn't really know what to do with the revival and they kind of just treated them like they were nothing, which, which kind of sucked. And then of course they were plagued with injuries and that played a part in it as well. And then they kept going back and forth whether or not they would even stay with the company. And it's kind of safe to assume that maybe they won't considering they haven't been in the in any SmackDown matches in the past few months, so it's probably safe to say that maybe they're on their way out, which is a shame. But back to um, Gargano and Ciampa, Johnny Gargano stated that people are loyal to you until their needs change, and they talked about how they defended those tag titles all over the world, but Tommaso Ciampa's injuries were weighing on him and they plagued him for a while, and then the injuries started to manifest themselves even worse when they fought the authors of pain um and wound up losing at takeover san antonio in 2016 i believe yep that was 2016 and they couldn't find their footing and they fought in a triple threat ladder match at nxt takeover orlando but then they lost and Tommaso Ciampa was able to admit that that night in toronto when they won those titles that johnny gargano was the star and then they also fought again for the tag titles at TakeOver Chicago with a ladder match against the Authors of Pain. And even though they weren't, even though they put up a valiant effort, they didn't win the match. But after, you know, they were applauding them for winning the match, that was when Tommaso Ciampa did the heel turn heard around the world and destroyed Johnny Gargano and beat him up and shocked everyone. And then Ciampa stated that he did what he had to do. And Johnny found himself, of course, after this happened, and he found his groove. And he fought for the NXT title twice against Andrade. But Tommaso Ciampa interfered the second time to cost him his NXT career, which was really sad. Um, and Tommaso Ciampa was also looking to prove himself at TakeOver New Orleans in an unsanctioned match that they had. And basically Ciampa had won the NXT title at that point but he had to give the title up due to injury before Johnny 
there was a point where I believe Johnny Gargano had turned heel and they were both heels and they were tagging together again and I think this was when Johnny was NXT North American champion at this time and Ciampa's injuries kept plaguing him and he had a neck injury that was really bad and he had to give up the NXT championship and it broke his heart and then Johnny wound up winning the vacant title in a match against Adam Cole and but then Johnny wasn't champion for that long because he lost the title to Adam Cole in a takeover match and I think it was takeover 25 and he lost the match in Captain Marvel colors no less which made me upset because I love Captain Marvel but anyway that's that's another story for another day (laughs) and Tommaso Ciampa came back to a hero's welcome and Johnny seemed mad about it and jealous about it so Tommaso Ciampa wanted Goldie the NXT championship back but Johnny kept sounding jealous in this interview of all the attention that the fans were giving Tommaso Ciampa and then of course takeover Portland happened and Johnny turned on Tommaso Ciampa during his match with Adam Cole for the title and now they're both fighting to be the face of NXT and Johnny Gargano stated that he was just trying to give and while he was trying to give the reason why he turned his back on Tommaso Ciampa they fought all over the performance center ironically which is where their story started so whenever WWE gets their life together (laughs) with the schedule for NXT TakeOver um that it's safe to say that they'll be fighting again but it's gonna be cool though so then Tom Phillips and Triple H were turn, had turned their attention to Finn Balor and they recapped his first NXT run and how he debuted in NXT as Prince Debit in 2014 and changed his name to Finn Balor and then Finn Balor kept saying he was the best wrestler in the world throughout this entire vignette and <laughs> like he just kept reiterating it over and over again and I'm just like okay dude we get it and he was talking about how he debuted on Raw and then got hurt after his during his SummerSlam match with Seth Rollins for the Universal title, which was brand new at the time. And he had to go to nine months of rehab for his torn bicep in his shoulder. And he talked about how when he was on the main roster after his injury, how he wasn't necessarily he alluded to how he wasn't exactly treated as a kind of the big deal that he was in NXT so when he decided to shake off his cobwebs or whatever he went back to NXT and now he's going on this really dominant run he had, he's beaten a lot of major players in NXT including Johnny Gargano and he admitted that he was 38 years old which freaked me out because I'm just like bro you can't be 38 years old he looks really young but anyway um now he's turned his complete attention to Walter who was the NXT UK champion and now they're set to fight at some point so that's going to be interesting and then we're also going to talk about um in at the end of the NXT show Rhea Ripley was charting her dominant journey to become the NXT women's champion and her journey to get into the point where she has to fight Charlotte Flair she was they were talking about how she had had such a dominant run in terms of beating people in NXT UK and she talked about you know her early lifestyle and how she dreamed of becoming a wrestler but yet everybody was comparing her to Charlotte Flair and Lana and you know the regular blondes and she decided to change her entire look and change her entire offense so she could be different and be herself 
and they talked about her dominant run during the weekend of or at least the week before survivor series where she led team nxt to win um in the women's survivor series match and how she won the war games match um in the first ever women's war games at takeover war games and then they also talked about how she was the one who finally beat Shayna Baszler because Shayna Baszler was going on this dominant run as NXT Women's Champion and she had beaten everybody except Rhea. So they showed Rhea be champion and her winning and how she and she talked about how she felt celebrating that win with the NXT universe. And then she saw Charlotte Flair win the Royal Rumble match so she could have the right to face whatever women's champion she wanted to fight. And Rhea Ripley said, if you're going to fight anybody, you need to fight me because you fought everybody else. You fought Becky. You fought Bailey. Let's go. And it charted their journey and how basically they're going to get ready to fight at WrestleMania. I, for one, am rooting for Rhea Ripley to retain her title because, quite frankly, Charlotte's been NXT Women's Champion before. She was the second NXT Women's Champion after Paige. And... Now, mind you, she hadn't reached the level of stardom that she's reached now, but I feel like for her to win would just be kind of like, blah, why? She's already had everything. Let's not do this. And I kind of just want her to push forth a new star. But then again, they love Charlotte so much that I feel like they might just give her the title just to start something new because Charlotte really doesn't have that much to do on Raw anymore. But we'll see at WrestleMania. <laughs> so that was really all of NXT it was just kind of like a recap show where they were talking about a lot of the different rivalries going on it was more so of a vignette type show but it's not like it was bad it was just it just didn't have any action in it that was current so it wasn't like your regular NXT show now on AEW on the other hand um <laughs> they had two major things to happen um they have this group and I don't want to call the group the wrong thing but they were a faction and they had this um ruler that they kept calling the exalted one and nobody knew who this exalted one was until this past Wednesday where it was revealed that Brody Lee who was formerly known as Luke Harper in the WWE was the exalted one now it was stated on the online that a lot of fans definitely were under the impression that Matt Hardy was going to be the exalted one simply because of the fact that it was publicly known that Matt Hardy was getting ready to leave the WWE because his contract was up but they threw a major curveball and it was Luke Harper aka um Brody Lee so now he's on AEW and he made some type of really amazing quote where he was saying you're not the first old man to underestimate me and I'm just like oh well that's mad shade <laughs> so um so now um Luke Harper who was an OG um Bray who was an OG Wyatt family member is on that show and then Matt Hardy also made his debut on AEW Wednesday night too and this is basically the third iteration of his broken gimmick so that's all that's been going on in nxc and aew this week and now we're gonna go to smackdown Woo! smackdown
And now we're on to SmackDown from yesterday. SmackDown. So, with the women, Michael Cole basically introduced Paige via satellite and mentioned how she's a three-time women's champion or divas champion, if you want to get technical, and a former NXT women's champion. And Paige was joining them via satellite, which would kind of bum me out, but it's okay. Um, she started talking about how she was happy to be there, but then they, but then she got interrupted by SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey and Sasha Banks. And Sasha Banks was wearing this really amazing outfit, but that's besides the point. Um, Paige was talking about how they've been running down the division and saying that they lack the courage to um, fight them and everything, but then... Paige was giving all the women the credit in the, in the WWE by saying that they all have courage to go out there and lace up their boots every single solitary night. But then Bailey was insulting Paige by saying, oh, you're just mad because you can't come out here and fight because you're injured and stuff. And Paige was saying, yes, it's true. My career may be over, but that doesn't mean that I can't support the ones who are still there. And she had the privilege of announcing that Bailey. Um, had a match at WrestleMania, but it wasn't just a regular match. She f- first announced that she was going to be fighting Lacey Evans. And Bailey was like, well, whatever, I've already beaten her, so that doesn't matter. But then Paige went on to announce that she would also be facing Dana Brooke, Tamina, and Naomi. And basically, before she was able to announce the last person, Sasha Banks interrupted her and called Paige a B-word. But then Paige announced since, and Paige basically said, you know, I'm glad you finally spoke up because you are the final opponent in the six-pack elimination match at WrestleMania. And since Sasha Banks is now in this match and she's Bailey's best friend, they were kind of staring at each other with a shocked face and then Bailey kind of stormed out of the ring and was upset. But then as Bailey stormed out of the ring and went backstage, Sasha was still standing in the middle of the ring kind of with a smirk on her face like she was happy she was in the match but also at the same time you know backstage they showed a video of her interviewing interviewing Kayla and saying that she felt like Paige basically made a stupid decision in having her be in the match and talking about how much she loved Bailey but it didn't seem like you loved Bailey when she walked away and you realized you were going to be in the match so now I don't know who I want to root for because if Tamina like I don't want I know they've been kind of leading towards Lacey kind of being the next one, but I really wouldn't be mad if Naomi or um, Sasha won, simply because it's been too long since Sasha's held held a singles title, so I wouldn't be mad about that, but then it's been a while since Naomi's held one too, but then Tamina and Dana Brooke have never held one, so we'll see how that goes, but I'm excited about this six-pack challenge. And that's basically all that happened with the women um, in terms of that. Oh, well, no, that's not all that happened. Kayla interviewed Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. And they were really irritated with Asuka basically costing them their match against Sasha Banks and Bayley next week, last week. So Alexa Bliss challenged Asuka to a match on SmackDown. And I'm sitting here thinking, bro, like, Alexa, you might not win this match, but okay. So that's going to happen. Now that's all that happened with the women. So at the start of the show, um, Michael Cole acknowledged the two night WrestleMania news 
and introduced Rob Gronkowski as the WrestleMania host and mentioned his um, resume as a multi-time pro bowler and Super Bowl champion. Then Mojo Rawley joined Michael Cole and got hyped in his introduction of of Gronk as he danced out to the ring. And he mentioned to Michael Cole that he had been watching WWE since the second grade. And then there were times where he would even come to FCW to support Mojo while he was still training to be a wrestler. And he was ready for anything. Then Mojo Raleigh stated that he was there to watch Rob Gronkowski's back because they're best friends. But they were interrupted by King Corbin, who's the perpetual mood killer. And he expected Gronkowski to bow to his knees to him. And Gronk said no. And then Baron Corbin also alluded to his football pass and then he kept dissing Rob Gronkowski. But then Elias came out and interrupted um, Corbin and said that he had a song for him. And then Gronk and Mojo were dancing to it, kind of offbeat, but whatever. And then Corbin got in Gronk's face, but then Gronk pushed him down and Gronk made a case. And he basically um, made a case for Elias and Corbin to fight at WrestleMania. Even though he's technically not the one who can make the matches, he basically advocated for that happening. So I actually like Rob Rob Gronkowski being there. I like his energy and I like his passion. Um, Because I did not know he was, you know, a legit wrestling fan since he was a child. So I'm really excited about that. So then we had a a tag team match between Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulag versus Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, who are now calling themselves the Artist Collective, which I feel like nobody's really going to remember. But then, of course, they came out there with um, the Intercontinental Champion Sami Zayn, who was on commentary. Now, Daniel Bryan and Shinsuke started off the match, and there was a lot of technical and hard hits. Sami Zayn was sit- kept singing the praises of Cesaro and Shin obnoxiously, and Cesaro hit a suplex on Daniel Bryan to a near fall, and he kept hitting his um, patented European uppercuts, which looks so vicious. Um, Drew Gulak kept getting the offense in on Shinsuke Nakamura, but then Shinsuke um, kicked him in the jaw, um... And then Daniel Bryan break, broke up the fall. And then Daniel Bryan and um, Drew Gulak went on to win because Daniel Bryan hit a sunset flip. And Drew Gulak kept Shinsuke out of the ring. Then Michael Cole called Sami Zayn one of the whiniest Intercontinental Champions ever, which is true. And then, of course, they announced how ESPN is going to be showing WrestleMania events on, the, on their channel for the next three Sundays. So I went into that earlier in the news segment. So Drew and Daniel were stretching after the end of their match in the Performance Center gym. And Sami Zayn kept yelling at them and calling them mediocre. But then Daniel um, Bryan challenged Sami Zayn for the Intercontinental Championship. But Sami Zayn said that he'll only fight him if Drew Gulak beat Shinsuke Nakamura in a match next week on SmackDown. So that happened. And they showed a whole replay of... John Cena's match with Bray Wyatt from WrestleMania 30 in 2014. And this was the match that Bray Wyatt claimed sent him on a downward spiral into becoming The Fiend. Now, I will talk about the things. Now, even though I won't recap the entire match because you can always go back and watch it on the WWE Network. Or you can watch it if you want to watch the replay that they're doing on ESPN this Sunday. I'll talk about all the things that I thought about while watching the match. I thought about the idea that it it was kind of surreal to see the OG Wyatt family out there with Eric Rowan who's now evolved into a creature keeper and Luke Harper who's now in AEW which didn't even exist in 2014 
And a highlight was watching the fans sing. He's got the whole world in his hands for Bray Wyatt because that was a thing he would do to get into his opponent's heads. And it totally gave me Sunday school vibes. And <laughs> I'm a church kid. And <laughs> so I also find it funny that no one wanted John Cena to win then. And I highly doubt if no one want and I highly doubt if anyone wants to see John Cena win this match now. And then I also thought about the fact that my mom used to call the OG Wyatt family the creepy hillbillies. And then I wonder if Bray Wyatt will continue to play mind games this year as he did in 2014 in the match. So now we're back to the present day. And Michael Cole (laughs) recapped what Bray Wyatt and John Cena said to each other on SmackDown last week. Then The Miz and John Morrison came out. And, you know, they're still the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. And they came out to do their dirt sheet show. And John Morrison said that he taught himself to whip and nene and he nailed it. And I think that's so funny because that dance is so not really old, but at the same time, it's no one's really doing the whip and the nene anymore at all. People doing renegade and stuff. So anyway, um, they stated how they were talking about how they didn't have any opponents for the tag team championships at mania and then they asked the fans but really the only fans that were there were basically them dressed up as the new day the usos and heavy machinery but they were dressed in bacon outfits with crazy southern accents and basically they were calling all of them stupid and said that the fans can't decide so they suggested taking the night off but they were interrupted by heavy machinery and Heavy Machinery was out there because they had a match with Miz and Morrison to qualify for a tag team championship match at WrestleMania. So this match went on after um, commercial break ended and John Morrison kept insulting Otis and then John, then he kept hitting kicks on Otis and Otis slammed him down. Then Tucker hit a vertical suplex on John Morrison to a near fall. Then Tucker flipped on Miz and Morrison outside of the ring with the advantage, but then the Miz tumbled Tucker out of the ring and took advantage of him being hurt. Then Tucker fought back but desperately needed a tag, and then the match somehow got interrupted by Dolph Ziggler, who was Otis's romantic foil. Then Dolph decided he was going to sit on commentary, and well, you can basically guess how this went. Dolph Ziggler said that Otis just missed an opportunity and called Mandy a sweetheart because he's just going to rub that in. And Otis was slamming Miz and Morris and he does the caterpillar. But before he could finish his caterpillar move, Dolph Ziggler got on the microphone and showed pictures of him and Mandy on the big screen and said, good guys finish last and better luck next time. And then when the Miz and Morrison double teamed on Otis, Otis hit them with a double clothesline and slammed them against the commentary table and the ring post and the stairs. And then he tackled them through the barricades. Then Tucker tried to calm him down, but then Otis just kept hitting Miz and Morrison with a chair and he was really angry and really sad. And then they wound up getting disqualified and they lost their opportunity at the Mania match as Dolph Ziggler looked on you know with horror but then Otis it was the saddest thing Otis started crying in Tucker's arms and it was just like bruh like why would anybody want to hurt this sweet man I just I know this isn't it's just why would anybody want to hurt this sweet man it's just so sad um then um to top off the show 
Michael Cole moderated a contract signing between Roman Reigns and Universal Champion Goldberg. They both threw the chairs out of the ring and stared at each other down. And Michael Cole asked Goldberg who he expected to answer his challenge of who's next after he won the U.S. title from Bray Wyatt. And he stated that he really wanted Roman Reigns to answer the challenge. He was hoping that he would. Then Roman took the challenge because of all the greats that have chosen him and lost against him. And that Goldberg will be no different and he'll lose too. He called Goldberg a B-word bulldog that's sitting in his yard with a belt that he never earned. And Goldberg tossed the table out of the ring and then they had an intense stare down. And it faded out after that. So... Even though WrestleMania has been turned upside down and changed and all of the above, it's still going to be a good show. And I definitely encourage anyone to still watch it, even though the fans won't necessarily, won't necessarily be there, will be there. And you'll be able to watch it on television or watch it on the WWE Network and still enjoy it. And what I admire the most about them in WWE is the fact that they're still pushing forward in a way that's that shows they still have the energy about what they do and they're not letting the fans not being able to be there get them down at all it's still going to be a positive atmosphere surrounding this show so that's what's been going on this week in wrestling Okay, so we've reached the conclusion of this episode. I thank you so much if you stuck with me this entire time and listened. And I also appreciate anyone who's ever listened to me from the first episode on. I think it's really cool when people sort of tell you that even online or even in real life, that they feel like they learn something whenever they listen to your podcast or they feel like, you know, they feel relaxed and feel like they can get work done to it or whatever. So to everyone who's ever told me any any good thing about my podcast, I appreciate you and thank you and love you so very much. Um, I'm glad that I can create something or that I've that I've been given the courage from a higher power to pursue this thing that I've never really tried before to use and to be able to use my voice in such a new way. And I just I'm just so grateful for this platform to be able to do this to talk about something that I really love. So if you want to listen to me or listen to this podcast, you can listen to it on the Anchor app, which is how I record it every week. And you can also listen to me on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. And now I'm happy to announce that you can listen to me on iHeartRadio. So you can listen to me on that free app the same way you listen to music. You can listen to podcasts on there too. So if you go in the search box or go in the podcast section and type in Hardy Wrestling with Stephanie Hardy, you can listen to me for free and all the episodes including this one will be uploaded to it so if you have a mind to please listen to me and I thank you so much to everyone who's listened to me in these past few weeks um so next week is going to be you know a regular week in terms of wrestling and then we have Wrestlemania weekend so I hope you're really pumped and really excited about that even though a lot has changed with it And I just hope you guys have a fantastic week and continue to stay healthy and to take care of each other. And I hope that your life is filled with love and blessings and peace and joy and everything that 
and every good thing that you deserve. So until next time, this is Hardy Wrestling with Stephanie Hardy. Bye, y'all.